Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune via Zoom, recapping the Vikings 37 to 35 season finale win um, at Detroit. Jim, you're there for us. Uh, was, was there as much fanfare as there was surely back in Minnesota after such a big win for the franchise? Uh, you know, these are, I have relatives in Detroit. I know a lot of Lions fans and this is just the annual pitch to lose as much as possible so you can get another good player. So you can not know how to use that player and get your coach fired and just remain the Detroit Lions. It is a remarkably horrific franchise. It is a Timberwolves like franchise and I know the Uber driver I just talked to on the way back basically said he's basically he's kind of given up. It, it is amazing that it wasn't that long ago that Jim Caldwell was taking this dopey franchise to the playoffs, and that wasn't good enough for these people. And even the refs had to even the refs had to get in on the bashing of Detroit somehow in this game. <laughs> and we'll talk about we'll talk about that moving forward. But we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson. We're going to talk about big picture stuff with the Vikings after this. Um, just right out of the right out of the gate, what kind of changes? Um, do we think is, are going to happen? What kind of changes don't we think are going to happen um, as people clamor for them after a seven and nine season? Uh, guys, we have to start with Justin Jefferson, though. Him great, basically setting, right, the rookie record for most receiving yards in the Super Bowl era, surpassing Randy Moss, then surpassing Anquan Bolden. Um, what can't this kid do? Uh, Jim, you wrote about him for the paper after today. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? He doesn't do things quite as spectacularly as some of the receivers that we revere around the league, but he just does everything well and he does it consistently. And he just, he, number one, he catches the ball. He catches everything. Uh, number two, he has that, that kind of special sauce that receivers have where it doesn't matter what his 40 time is or how tall he is or how long is it. He gets in and out of breaks so smoothly that he's always open. You know, he just, he has that ability. I remember, you know, I'm, I'm old and I covered a lot of playoff games and, you know, Vikings games with Jerry Rice in them. And I would always watch Jerry Rice run his routes. I actually used to go to Viking, uh, some 49er practices during championship weeks. And Jerry Rice wasn't that big, wasn't that strong, wasn't that fast, but nobody could cover him because his, his movements in and out of his breaks were so smooth, so efficient. And Jefferson's like that. He just looks like he's always open. He looks like he's going to catch everything. He's going to get yards after the catch. He's just he's, – he's a phenomenal player. And halfway through the season, I was saying, yeah, okay, very nice rookie. Let's see what he does when defenses start paying more attention. He's just as good when defenses pay attention. He's just a wonderful player. And, Ben, I thought it was interesting. Not It wasn't just media or fans saying it. Justin came out and said, just imagine what I could have done if they started me those first two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk said it too, didn't he? I mean, that's right. Yeah, he said it. I can't remember if he said it today or yeah. last week, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I, that is one of those where you wonder if they'd had a preseason, would that have happened? I mean, was were those two games basically his preseason in some ways? Um, you know, it's it's hard to know that, but you do kind of wonder if it would have gone differently. Would he have been starting week one if? It had all gone that way. I, you know, I don't know, but yeah, an awfully impressive year for him, and and certainly an impressive second half because a lot of his production was really later in the year. I mean, his his target numbers have gone up quite a bit as all of these games have turned into shootouts, and they've had to go lean on him. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the 
the numbers for this year he put up are, are kind of backloaded. And, you know, we heard a lot of talk early in the season about why aren't they getting the ball more. And as you saw it develop throughout the course of the year, they did. And, I mean, certainly not at the level of Julio Jones or you know, what well, you see Devontae Adams in terms of the number of targets he gets in Green Bay, that sort of thing. But um, he, he's, I think, has become – I thought the last few weeks made it fairly clear he's become the number one receiver in this offense, and I, I don't see any reason that changes – in, in fact, doesn't even get even more pronounced going into next year. I think he finished with 1,400 receiving yards, right? Yes, yeah, so on the nose, I believe. And that's that's fourth, I think, just in the Vikings' single season for anybody. Rookies, anybody playing fourth um, all time for the franchise. Um, and that's, again, in 13 games or 14 games, however many it was. And that's for an offense that does not throw the ball. It's yeah. top, I think bottom five in the league in terms of pass attempts. Um, and what he was able to do, I think, in some of these uh, moments in Detroit, I mean, you're seeing him fight through physical stuff. I think teams decided at, at, in the second half of the year, we're going to try and press him and then get a safety over the top. We're going to try and kind of manhandle this kid because he's just he's still a 21 year old kid. It's it's crazy to think about. Um, and he was still able to fight through some of that stuff, you know, contested catches after the catch. Um, he was doing all that kind of stuff in Detroit, as Jim talked about, this kid being so well-rounded. And he even got Kirk to do the uh, the uh, gritty. Um, what did you think of that in person, Jim? Did you happen to catch that? Oh, um, well, <laughs> in a hotel room about to order room service because nothing else is open. I, and I just don't know if I'm going to be able to eat. Uh, <laughs> doing the gritty. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Um, luckily for Kirk, I'm speechless. I, I don't I don't know how to react to that. I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, sorry to catch you off guard with that. I know it was a jarring moment for all of us to see him move that way. Um, and it continues um, with Kirk. You know, I have my oldest daughter's eight. Um, I'm a few years away from probably seeing all of the dances they're trying to do when they're teenagers. I It'll probably be similar in terms of <laughs> the it, it had the effect of the dad trying to like, oh, what's this thing that you kids are all doing? Why don't I try it with you at the wedding reception? Sort of. I mean, I, I think that we all kind of had that reaction to it. it. It had that kind of a feel. And I guess to Kirk's credit, he does not make any claims to being cool. I, I think he kind of <laughs> knows it and uh, it's probably just to have some fun with it. So, yeah, but yeah, it was, uh, it was cringe as the kids say. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, somebody has got to get that a leave endorsement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, um, it's a good sign for the Vikings offense moving forward. One of the few good signs coming out of this year. We did see, I guess, in terms of silver linings, we saw Tyler Conklin, Irv Smith. We did see some guys continue to play really well, and the running game was able to churn out um, the game at the very end there and even getting over the slow start with Kirk. Um, big picture, though, moving forward, I don't think we're going to see much change for this Vikings team. Uh, they're going to have some questions. Gary Kubiak has openly said, I need to think about 2021 because I'm on a year-to-year basis at this point in terms of coaching. Um, who knows what will happen at special teams. Maybe there's a new coordinator coming in if Mike Zimmer decides he wants a change made there. Um, but, Ben, I think the point is, is that it's probably going to be Mike Zimmer's decision to make because I don't think anybody's expecting overarching changes headed into 2021. No, I, I don't think that will be the case. I, I don't think that you're going to see – Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, anybody like that lose their job. I mean, I think the the way Mike Zimmer closed his press conference today 
was was very interesting. I, it was the sort of thing that, especially for a coach who has resisted all week, big picture questions and any attempt to frame the season from a 30,000 foot level and something other than the Lions game. He took the opportunity today to kind of say, hey, seven and nine is as good as this team probably could have been given all the injuries, given um, everything we had to deal with. Now, a lot of the things they had to deal with are the things that other teams had to deal with too. So you can decide for yourself, as I, as I wrote, you can decide for yourself what you do with what he said, but the fact that he said it, and I think the fact that he said it today was interesting because he will talk again on Tuesday. That's kind of his season in press conference. That's usually when we hear kind of the, the put a bow on it type statements. Like last year, it was at the end of the day, it's a young man's game. And he kind of hinted at the, the changes that were coming on defense. The fact that he said it today, I think was interesting only because if something were to happen to him in terms of his job, it would happen probably before Tuesday. Um, the, so that the, the, if you're trying to get your stamp on the, the narrative of the season, so to speak. It's easier to do it today than it is to do it on Tuesday if you're worried about that at all. I, I don't know that he is. I don't know that he even should be. But if there's any thought, I, I thought the timing was interesting from that perspective. I, I Like I say, I, I don't think anybody's going anywhere. They just gave these guys contract extensions before the season. Um, I, I think the things we're hearing, the things we've heard the last few weeks about the injuries make a huge difference and – we probably overestimated things a little bit in terms of how good we could be with young players. I, I, I think those are going to be the things that Zimmer and Spielman are also telling the Wilfs. And I don't have any reason to think that that won't buy them more time, but yeah, all of it was, the tone was interesting today. I thought. Yeah. Jim, Jim let me read, I guess, just that closing um, the last part of what Zimmer had to say at his press conference before I get your reaction to that. Cause um, we all heard it and, and reading it verbatim. He says, uh, we missed a lot of guys and the guys that ended up playing battled like crazy. We still had opportunities to win a few more games probably. But, you know, with the turnover that we had, the injuries that we had on defense, we just weren't good enough. We fought like crazy and seven to nine is not great. But under the circumstances and everything that went on, maybe it's the best we could have done. Um, Jim, what did you think about that? That is a sales pitch and it is painting everything in the most positive way that you can frame the season from a head coach perspective. Uh, I think it's a, an awkward thing to say right now because they lost close games. They lost games that they absolutely should not have lost. And they lost some games where either clock management or use of challenges or timeouts uh, probably hurt them. So I, I think, uh, I, I think Mike's painting it a little too optimistically. They also faded in December and they also lost to a very average bears team in a must win game at home. Uh, so I, I just think that's all. I, I, listen, like Ben said, I don't think anybody's going to get fired. I don't think they're going to change over. I think saying you're without, you know, four of your, your four best front seven players. I think there are legitimate excuses you can make this. Uh, this sounds like Mike's trying too hard to me. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the Bears game, Jim. If they had won that, now we know this now, the Bears are in the playoffs despite the fact that they lost to the Packers today because the Cardinals lost. So the Bears are in at 8-8, eight and eight, which means this. If the Vikings had won in Week 15, independent of Alvin Kamara and his half-dozen touchdowns on Christmas Day, if they had won that game, they are in the playoffs preparing to go back to New Orleans next weekend, hoping that 
their trip to New Orleans is more like the one they took in January, not the one they took two weeks ago. But if if they won that game, they are in. And that game was the one where it's got to have it moments and it's the bootleg uh, with Cousins when he's got pressure in his face. And there was the I think there was another fourth and one in that game that there were a couple of fourth down calls in that game that sort of swung it. And yeah, the it was they were it was that it was the Dallas game. There are winnable games there that you, I don't think, can sit there and just say, hey, uh, we didn't have the talent. We didn't have the horses, to, to quote an Adrian Peterson line from years gone by. Uh, it's hard to say that a play here or there wouldn't have been there for them to make to get in. Also, seeing Adrian Peterson, just as an aside, seeing him run today, I don't, I don't, was think, he's, I don't think he's done. <laughs> um, that looks I know like a vintage Adrian run. It, that, just speaking of the 38-yarder, because I know the whole day he's running on this Vikings defense that half these guys might not even be in the league uh, next year, let alone on the Vikings roster. Um, yeah, I, I just I think it was fun to see that. And I also think this guy's probably actually might have a few years left in him um, as opposed to just the bluster that we take it as so much. He, he really does seem to run well um, late in the year still at this age. Um, well, guys, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that went on here before we um, – break for this podcast and then we'll kind of recap uh the season more in full later this week um you know it wouldn't be a new year without the same officiating in the nfl and seeing what went on uh with some of those calls and even vikings fans on social media were like what is going on because we usually are not the beneficiary the the benefactors beneficiaries beneficiary thank you i mix that up all the time um, and you know what? Our listeners are learning with me. So thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beneficiaries of that. Um, Benefactor so would be if you're like the, the wealthy person who is giving out uh, generosity to others that don't they, to the beneficiary. Both fit for, for Andrew. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, paper so guy. He's got all kinds of money. <laughs> So help me remember, it was the 38-yard touchdown taken off the board because uh, Marvin Jones dared roll the ball between his legs in the end zone. Yeah, we've gone back to the uh, going to the ground ruling on catches, apparently. Is, is it just officials have been around so long they don't know which rules they're enforcing? <laughs> Forgotten which one is, is a catch <laughs> at the moment. Because it was, then, I remember Super Bowl 52 was like the end of that way of doing things when they started to there were like two challenges in that game where we all sat there in the press box at us bank stadium thinking okay these are going to get overturned because this stupid catch rule is going to do it and then they both said no those are catches and everybody kind of thought okay this is the nfl realizing this is stupid and we can't decide the super bowl on this and um maybe with this one it's this game doesn't matter let's just bring it back i i don't know it's hard to make any sense of that one and the and the thing on that drive is that they scored anyway the one that Swung the game was the one that Kirk Cousins said should not have been a penalty. The, the, the roughing the passer that Tracy Walker had near the goal line. Yeah. What did Kirk tell him after that? He said he basically just stood up and said, I'll take it, but I know it's, that was a bad call. Yeah. He said he went to him right away and said, Hey, it's a bad call, but I'm, I'm glad we're the beneficiaries of it. Um, Is, I guess, is, is there anybody kind of, shaking their head. I thought of Harrison Smith shaking his head on the sideline, just thinking like, what, what is this? What kind of chaotic refereeing officiating world are, are we living in here? Um, I, I don't know, Jim, is there anything more to say about NFL officiating? Cause we've heard you talk and make great points about the fact that these guys aren't even full-time jobs all year, let alone uh, uh, necessarily good at the part-time jobs that they're doing. 
I mean, the conspiracy theory would be you have a billion-dollar league uh, that allows games and sometimes championships to be decided by, you know, weekending accountants. Uh, the conspiracy theory would be the NFL has realized that having people complain about their officials and be get really emotionally involved in all that stuff is somehow good for their business. I can't imagine how that would be, but, I mean, they've had years and years and years. They've tried instant replay. Replay works some of the time, but it gets misinterpreted some of the time. I just don't know why you wouldn't hire full-time officials, train the heck out of them, and discipline them or fire them when they get this wrong. I mean, it, it, they, the way the NFL manages it is almost as if they don't care that these guys are bad. There's just well, not, enough money, not enough money to go around, Jim. It's not enough money. I guess so. I mean, the replay thing, I mean, yes, it, they keep adding to it and they keep trying to figure it out. But the problem with it is that it's so limited in terms of what you can do. There, there's only certain things you can review. There's certain things that can only be reviewed in certain contexts. There's um, the, the call on the field basically is the is what goes unless you have to enough evidence to overturn it. So what gets decided on the field determines the, the burden of proof you have to have in the replay process. So, I mean, yes, it's a, it helps, but yeah, like you're saying, if you had officials that were better at getting the calls right on the field, then it'd probably be a different story. Although, you know, maybe, like you say, maybe, maybe this is what the NFL wants. It's, it certainly seems like on some things, holding among them they've said swallow your whistles this year because we want more points so um some of it could be how they're being directed to to call these games too and that seems like it changes every year but um yeah it certainly seems like there'd be a, a more efficient way to handle it and maybe one of those directors should be don't call pass interference on a hail mary we don't care what happens <laughs> <laughs> don't do it um all right, well, the NFC playoff field and the AFC playoff field, they're set now, uh, except for tonight's game. We're doing this before Washington and Philadelphia finish up their game, but that doesn't matter because right now it's the Packers, number one, Saints, number two, Seahawks, number three, NFC East, number four, then the Bucks, Rams, and Bears. So first impressions from both you guys before we end this podcast, 17 playoff field. Something you had said struck me, Ben, earlier, that the Vikings would be headed to New Orleans if they had won one more game this year. And I'm just thinking of that defense going to New Orleans in a nationally televised playoff game, not just Christmas Day game, and thinking, wow, that can't be good for the league, even though it would be very good for all of their pockets. Yeah, I mean, the, all of the advertising today about the super wild card weekend and the, the back-to-back triple headers, I mean, they very much, you know, they want the TV. And the, the bet is that people will watch it because you slap playoffs on it. You say, hey, anything can happen. You never know. Um, but... I, it's it's hard because you look at the AFC field and the AFC feels like there's enough teams here that you could put more in. I mean, you're going to have a 10 win team that doesn't make it over there, the NFC. And, and maybe it's just, it goes year to year, but the NFC field, it's like, there's, there's six that it should be in and probably not anybody else. I don't think the bears should be in necessarily. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, I, the, I wonder if this is all a precursor to eight, frankly. I mean, if you say, well, we have all these other leagues that let half of the teams in the league into the playoffs, if if, if something happens where your number one seeds don't win, you're going to say, see, the bye doesn't matter anyway. Let's just put another team in. We go one versus eight, two versus seven in the playoff format. We, we all know from every other league, right, the NBA and the NHL, I guess, primarily. But I wonder if this is a precursor to that. 
Yeah, Jim, what do you think? Any doubt. They're going to go eight teams. Is, you know, they don't care about some kind of integrity of the playoff field. They want television ratings. And the more teams you have involved, the more regular season games matter, the higher the TV ratings, the more playoff games you get to put on TV, people will watch them. People complain about the Pro Bowl, and then people watch the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Watch this stuff. No matter, and people will watch and complain, but they're going to complain anyway. Uh, the NFL, I guarantee, is going to go to you know, 18 weeks, eight playoff teams, and try to continue to dominate the American sports landscape. As long as it's two preseason games, I might be okay with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, um, I I do worry about player safety. I hate seeing people injure themselves for my entertainment purposes. If you're going to go 18, maybe you need slightly bigger rosters. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, everybody gets one week off. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I don't want to see players getting injured because of it, but I don't think the NFL cares. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure what goes on in the negotiations too, is the, the league knows that people will watch and I'm sure the TV executives are sitting there in those rooms saying, Hey, if you put more playoff teams in, we will pay more money for the the next round of TV rights. And that's coming up in a year here or a year or so here. And it's the last thing that is appointment viewing in this country. I mean, baseball isn't it anymore. The NBA's TV ratings have dropped precipitously. Um, the NHL doesn't have it. So this is the last thing that these TV executives are sitting in rooms with NFL big wigs hammering out these deals have to go with. So, yeah, I mean, if everybody in those rooms is saying we can make more money, which Roger Goodell has said is his stated goal is to grow the pie. Um, if you can do it and then you can probably say there's more tickets for playoff games, the so teams make more money that way when you're charging for home playoff games and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it seems like the, the finances are going to be such that it's not, nobody's going to stop for any other reason we might be offering. And I might be remiss in, in not mentioning before that um, one of the playoff teams over in the AFC anyways, the Cleveland Browns for the first time in a long time with old friend Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. What do you guys think about, Jim, what do you think about seeing him in the playoffs um, one, just one year after leaving Minnesota? It's, it's impressive work given that the Browns have been so dysfunctional for so long and he's in, you know, following up on coaches who went in there and just obviously didn't know what they were doing. And he's so young and he does seem like he knows what he's doing. And for me, it reminds me a lot of Mike Tomlin getting hired by the Steelers. Uh, Tomlin was coming off a six and 10 season as the Vikings defensive coordinator when the Vikings went six and 10. Uh, He was probably interviewed only because they needed to, the, you know, the uh, Steelers were going to abide by the Rooney rule and, and, and interview a black candidate. Blew him away in the interview. Uh, he was not a great candidate in any objective way, but the Steelers met with him and said, This is our guy. And he's been, you know, one of the longest tenured coaches, has won a Super Bowl. If Stefanski, you know, if Stefanski were on the Vikings staff, then he might be the heir apparent to Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, he, the, the Wolves might even be tempted to hire him right now as Mike Zimmer's replacement, but the timing wasn't quite right. So he ends up going to the Browns and he might have a Tomlin like run. I think he's a really sharp, sharp guy. 
Absolutely. It'll be fun watching him in the playoffs in the AFC um, and, and that loaded field. Maybe it'll be a little bit more competitive than the NFC. All right, guys, that'll be it for this Access Vikings podcast. Uh, we will check back with you this week and set up the offseason to be. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>